Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where a single man possessing a good fortune must be in want of a wife. My name is Caroline and what a superbly featured room and what excellent boiled potatoes. And she has bewitched me body and soul. I love, I love, I love her. It's Imogen West Nights. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Practice that on the train. Very good. Yeah, no, I mean, those those lines are seared into my brain. So. I, I love, I love, I love, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and I never wish to be parted from you from this day on. <laughs> Which means body and soul. Um, so this is what many people refer to as the other Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Um, this was adapted in 2005 by Joe Wright, his first uh, directorial debut, uh, starring Keira Knightley, which immediately was controversial <laughs> because there was a time in the early noughties where, and actually throughout the noughties, where we decided that Keira Knightley, a nice woman with a good face... <laughs> we hated that. We hated that no, about no, no, her. no, no, no. Get out of here. And also young and, and nice. Yeah. No, too no, young, no. too nice. <laughs> Something sounds fishy. Let's drive her mad. Yes, I sort of, I don't really know what she's up to now. I think she mostly does period dramas. Yeah, yeah, that's her and vibe. I, I sort of, I, I respect her for dropping out of life a little bit. She probably had a bit too much life. In many ways, she is the English Anne Hathaway. I think. She is the English Anne Hathaway. That is a good point. Someone who arrived on the scene very young, mm. too attractive, and very good at their <laughs> and job. And had to be punished <laughs> for it. And also seemed very invested in doing a good job about stories they found important. Yeah, I think she's a good actor. I'm a huge Kira Knightley apologist. I know she's got that slightly weird thing with her mouth, but don't we all have a slightly weird thing with our mouths? Do you know what I mean? And also, isn't that why we love actors? Is because right. they deliver idiosyncrasies to roles that wouldn't be there otherwise? Exactly. Like exactly. Meryl Streep has that thing where she always touches her mouth. And if you oh, wanted... Oh, she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she loves yeah. to play fl- um, characters who are flustered then they just sort of tap, tap at their mouth a <gasps> <Yes>. bit. <laughs> but anyway, this is your favourite version. Yes, this is my favourite version. And I even feel nervous saying it out loud because for years I've felt kind of ashamed of that because I know the true close version is the 1995 BBC one. Mm-hmm. That's more like a beat-for-beat adaptation of the book. The book is good. No argument there, but I just, th- I just prefer this one. If I'm <laughs> going to sit down and watch one, it's going to be this one. Well, yeah, obviously, if you, if you don't have an entire day to dedicate to the Pride and Prejudice, no, well, that's myth. part of it, and I often have two hours and six minutes to just like put this on and enjoy it, and even in a kind of background, I don't really need to focus anymore because I know yeah. so well what's going to happen. It's just so soothing to me. I don't even know when I started doing that, just watching it all of the time because I it wasn't when it came out. Yeah. I don't think I really cared about Pride and Prejudice. I mean, I definitely didn't. I had to study the book at school and was quite like... Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. I think it was... I don't know. Maybe it was just one of those things where you're like, you're too young to be studying. Mm-hmm. I think I was like 12 or 13 and they were being like, this is a terribly funny book. And I'm like, this isn't funny at all. Like, when your idea of humour is yeah. South Park, I think <laughs> you're never going to get In many much. ways, my idea of humour is still, <laughs> still South Park. Park. <laughs> but now it's also... 
Yeah, it's also, also Jane, Jane Austen. Austen as well. But there's also something, there's so much you said there that I want to light on, but like, there's something so annoying about when like, people insist to you that an old thing is funny. Yes. Oh, or like God. a play is funny. You're like, no one's falling over. Like, crack yeah. a joke. Crack a joke. Cra- yeah, and it's like, <laughs> so my, <laughs> crack a fucking joke. Um, and also it's like this version of humour that, yes, absolutely is funny. Mm. Like, Jane Austen, the wittiest writer who ever lived. No one's yeah, coming yeah. for that throne at all. It's her and it's David Sedaris. <laughs> <laughs> Match made in heaven. That's exactly. Um, but it's that sort of, it's a kind of a humour that you do have to train your ear to hear. Yes. And it's like, and if you're zoned out from it or if you're not interested, which I I greatly respect Austin, but I'm not like, I can't get hard for her the way other people no, can. No, like, no, I'm, I'm not, not like an Austin horny head. for it. Yes, exactly. And maybe that's why the 1995 version doesn't quite do it for me because it's too Austin almost. It feels yeah. a little bit to me like homework yeah. in a way that, that's unfair. Like, it's, it is brilliant. I'm, I'm, Cutting, I'm splitting hairs here because I do think they're both really brilliant. But yeah. you can hear how defensive I'm getting about it because people are always like, Ugh, you like the movie? Like, yeah, that's an unserious opinion. It's funny. So, like, obviously, this, this is a kind of like a Russian nesting doll of sentimental garbage now because Austin itself, mm-hmm. not not shameful. As it, everyone yes. is, is ready to be like, okay, Although, I don't fabulous. know. I think still in certain circles, being an Austin head is a bit like so, literature light, you know? Yes. So the thing is, it's like, as a broad thing, it's like, yes, she's going to be there on the shelf next to Dickens and Thackeray and like no one's going to yeah. argue that. But within that, the fandom of mm, Austin mm. Is quite cringe. Yes. Like, we've all met a woman at a party whose cat is called Mr. Darcy, and we yes. don't want to hang out with her. No, you're like inching towards the kitchen, like, <laughs> oh, I need to refit. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck with Mr. Darcy cat girl at the party. Oh, no, people are going to write in now. They're often, they are also often, no, that's too unfair. I can't say this. They're American sometimes in that bad, in the bad way. And sometimes the bad people way. are American in, a, in the bad way. Sometimes people are American in the bad way. And that's not just they own a gun. It's no, also, no, there's that other bad way that we both are thinking about now with Mr. Darcy Cat. Yes, Mr. Darcy American <laughs> Cat Woman. Yes. I'm so Mr. sorry. Mr. Darcy colon American, American Cat, cat Woman. woman. <laughs> that's the adaptation everyone's actually waiting for. Yeah, yeah, it is... <laughs> That's so rude, though. I I apologize. No, it's any... it's so rude. <laughs> but this if this if I'm gonna like successfully make a podcast about snobbery, we have to be like fair and truthful about identifying snobbery yes. in, the, in the culture and in ourselves. Yes, uh, that <laughs> like... was a snobby thing to say, and I stand by it hundred <laughs> percent. Mr. Darcy, American Catwoman. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's, um, she's way too into it. She's way too into it. She's, she's maybe even got some of the costumes. Yeah, yeah, she's got them. (laughs) She went to the Bridgerton live experience. Yeah. And yeah, you, you're absolutely fleeing from her in the kitchen at a party. So... That yeah. those people are looked down on. So that is the nest, that is the first um, Russian nesting doll within Jane Austen snobbery, and then the nesting doll within that <laughs> is this movie. Yes, which is like not only are you Mr. Darcy, American <laughs> Catwoman, <laughs> but you also don't have the um, good taste or the patience or the sort of like um, aesthetic sensibility to favor the six-hour adaptation. 
Jennifer Ealy yes. and Colin Firth. And so you you found you found yourself at the thinnest end of the wedge of Jane Austen's yeah. snobbery. Really, really hemmed in here by all kinds of different people being like, "You're an idiot." What do you think is so good about it? I was so I was talking to my sister about this the other day because actually independently of each other, she's ten years younger than me, so it's mm-hmm. not like we were watching this together. This is for both of us the comfort movie. Like things are crap. I just need something that's going to be so pleasant and soothing. For both of us, it's this, and we were talking about why that is. And she said, for her, she was like, it's pretty simple. It's it's very escapist, mm-hmm. and nothing. To, she said nothing really bad happens, which I guess is true from a sort of 21st century perspective, even the, like, quote-unquote bad things that happen, Mm. like the Wicker marriage and things, Mm. now are a bit like, oh, but they, you know, it's fine. Because it wouldn't be... In in, in all adaptations, the the threat Mm. is so short. Do you know what I mean? Even in the really long BBC version, it's kind of over and done with in what feels like about half an hour. Yeah, and it's so quick in this. I mean, she gets that letter and you know the bit where she... Kira comes into the room she's like "Ah," and then goes out again and yeah the whole thing is taken care of within about yeah 10 minutes so I think it's that it's like it's like mild peril like you get in movies for kids and also I don't know we were getting sort of soppy about it and it was like oh it makes me wish I had three more sisters and because neither of us think yeah and also because we're so different in age we never really had the like hand holding squealing about clothes phase Mm, of our mm -hmm. relationship so maybe it's a sort of sublimated sister thing I don't know it's also yeah. it also just slaps. I just think it's a really well made film. It just fucking slaps is the thing, <laughs> and like, which is not to take away anything from the fact that the BBC one also. Slaps. No, I mean let's just add that that it, in, let's just imagine that we've said that after every time we say that this one is good. Yes. Insert Precisely. listeners it's in like your when head you're, when you're bitching about a friend. Yes, and at the top of the conversation. <laughs> now, obviously, we both love her. Yeah, and she's kind. <laughs> And wonderful and often funny. But can I be but, mean for a second? Yeah. And while we have this horrible conversation about our dear friend, let's, who let's we have, love, yeah, who we, who love. we love, let's pretend that that's the pinned tweet at the top of the thing. Is yes, that, yes, uh, she we love her. Um, and that's how we're, yeah. But like, there is this thing with, um, and and that version of Pride and Prejudice inspired so many other, like you know, I think it, it became the sort of the the case test for yeah, for yeah. doing um period dramas in a very considered, yeah, serious, yeah. wonderful beautiful way um but the the filmmaking is not interesting mm, really no, no it's kind of the camera is stays at the same place yeah. in the room the whole time it's basically it's kind of shot like a play yeah people come in wearing the nightgowns in these yes. very um proper sets and they come in and they do their lines and there's never a sense that like it's a bit lifeless to it's, me it's a little bit lifeless yes that's the word like yeah. when i think of the adaptation the 1995 one I think of the sound of a door closing <laughs> just like it's it needs to happen and this is how people do move around and speak in a book I guess but mm-hmm. I, I'm not really making a lot of sense here the t- 2005 one feels way more alive mm. and real to me to how people actually live with one another yeah and it's that beautiful thing that way that opening which I just love of uh 
the kind of camera just hanging around mm. the house and like you see mm. all see through the... the window the parents having that conversation yes it's so it's so you're really right in the shoes of a member of a family just wandering yeah. around of an afternoon it's so unstagey feeling it makes me really emotional and I yeah don't, and I maybe it's because of the music because I think anyone who writes has a really deep relationship with this soundtrack do you also write to this music yes I is do is there anybody who doesn't for <laughs> is there real, anyone like... who's written a novel in the last 15 <laughs> years who hasn't done written it to this soundtrack <laughs> but it's so I don't know what it is it's crack it's like you put it on and you're like just the words come out yeah it's magic. It's really insane. If you yeah, if you write, if you're listening to this and you haven't done this, yeah. do immediately turn the podcast off. Yeah. Go to your desk. And in general, I feel like very um very intimate with the films of Kira Knightley because I just when I've um really wrung out the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack, I just go, <laughs> Kira Knightley soundtrack and I'm like, I've listened to all the Anna Karenina wow. soundtrack. Oh, is that I'm, good too? It's fabulous. Okay, amazing. The Atonement soundtrack, the Colette soundtrack, like Oh my gosh, I'm if Kira's really in it, it's this. gonna have a beautiful score. <laughs> See for me it's it's this, it's the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack, and unfortunately it's one track from the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh yeah, 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 I have that. The as breaking well. of the fellowship where yeah. Sam and Frodo are in the boat about to go across the river and he nearly drowns yeah don't know why just that, that does something to me that really it's like it's me. time to go to mordor bitch sit down <laughs> yeah and maybe uh, maybe that is why because like when i threw it on the other day um to rewatch it for this i hadn't seen it in maybe five years mm. and uh i just immediately started crying and i and i couldn't tell if it's because the music is inherently emotional. The story is inherently emotional. Or mm. I've had so many emotional moments to the soundtrack. Yeah, it's just, it's the perfect melting pot of things that are going to make you weep. Yeah. And just, just like, and I, I get this with Little Women a lot as well. Just like, just the concept of sisters. <laughs> yeah, it's so like, when you actually boil it down, it's pretty basic. It's like, women love each other so much and I like that. But no, the Little Women thing is actually, I was when I was watching it again... In recent years, watching it after Little Women came out, mm. there is no Little Women without this film. Like, there's no the way Greta, Greta Gerwig, Gerwig yes, yeah. could have made, would even have thought to make it, I think, this. Surely she's seen yeah. this because it's that, that whole sort of talking over each other thing, the girlishness of it all, Yeah, I think, is was new to this as a period adaptation thing. And the sense of like, and I think this is when Austen feels at her like best and when when you like sometimes I pick up an Austin book and I'm like yeah yeah oh oh what did it, what did it twer so simple oh, like oh my, oh, oh a fine my taffeta ribbon my countenance does not permit me like and I'm like fuck yeah. off <laughs> so just go away and like and then sometimes it just hits and it's, yeah. I think it depends on what day of my cycle I'm on but you just really feel. With Austin more than any other um, writer from that period, like she's somebody who knew she was in the past, Ooh. in the sense that like there's this rage bubbling over the page, and you get that with like the scene where Charlotte Lucas is getting married yes. and Mr. Collins and everything, where you feel like this is somebody who really sees the society they're in, mm. really hates it, knows it will change, but yes. also knows that she will be dead before it does. And I Oof. just I just feel that with her more than any other writer from that period. Yeah, that's a really good point. God, the Charlotte Lucas thing. I mean, it's not a surprise that that line has become a sort of meme. The, what is it? I'm unmarried. I'm already a burden to my parents. I'm 27. <laughs> and I'm frightened. <laughs> I'm there like 31, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fine. All these like 27 year old girls on TikToks being like, girls, same. <laughs> 
be, and I've I've written down in my document here um, what I've called the Stations of the Cross oh, of Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> because like the like the Stations of the Cross, it's like you can't have any Pride and Prejudice adaptation without hitting these beats. Yeah, and we begin the first major beat after the like going through the house. Oh, look, here's like some flower arranging they're pig. doing. Here's my pig, <laughs> and um, the we have the Netherfield. Yes. Manor has been... Netherfield Manor, is that it? Has been let at last. Yes. It is Netherfield, isn't it? Yes. I can't remember if it's a manor or a house or... Again, I'm going to hear you've been murdered with like a gold letter. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Mrs. Bennet is the is the G of the movie like she is the G- now and I'm going to say something controversial here which is that I do prefer Alison Steadman as Mrs Bennet me too just because she's perfect just because who else you know and she's Gavin's mom and she's Gavin's from, from mom. sorry Gavin and Stacey yes. not my husband <laughs> that would be and also mad. not like Lord and Lady Gavin from <laughs> I just like when I was rewatching um the BBC one the day and I I realized that it was it was... I have so many things like that because if you're our age, I don't know, yeah. I didn't really know who Alison Steadman was before Gavin and Stacey yeah. and now I, everything I watch, I'm like, oh my God, Gavin's mum is here. <laughs> Gavin's mum is here, my, my little prince. <laughs> so good. Um, but uh, this this Mrs. Bennett yes. is very good. I feel she's like very good too. Bridget Jones when she's giving that speech at the book launch, like, and <laughs> Mr. Archer, your books are very good. Your books also. are very good also. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah and I feel there's been a lot of in the past few years because uh, there's constantly a reappraisal of this book because it never mm. falls out of fashion because it's always relevant because yeah. the 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 story remains to be about like well who, which women get to get married yeah. which women don't get to get married <laughs> and that will unfortunately always be relevant <laughs> and this sort of redressing of like um, the Bennett parents. Well, yeah. actually, he's kind of a nightmare, and she's the only, and she's worrying because she has to. Yes, I. So I like the Bennett parent relationship in this one also more than in the nineteen ninety five one, because I feel like you understand Mrs. Bennett better in this one. Mm. The Alison Steadman one, she's more silly, which is more fun. Yeah, but less sympathetic and less. I don't think it could be quite so moving without having changed that parental relationship a little bit. Also, mm. the Donald Sutherland is such so a good. sweetheart yeah. and so sympathetic and lovable rather than being, if I'm remembering this rightly in the other one, he's a little bit of a crank. A little, Yeah, there's a, more of a sense in Donald Sutherland one that he is like, his sort of like disinterest and mm. his removal and his like, well, all my daughters suck except for Lizzie, <laughs> sort of. Um, it feels more fond and it feels like it's said with more of a wink and a bit of a Santa Claus-y yes, kind of like exactly. twinkle. It feels like it's born of having five daughters for 20 years. Like yeah. I know men like this who have five daughters, you know, yeah. like friends, parents. Who are so placid? Yeah, because they like they're just done. You know, there's been so much. <laughs> They've screaming. been buffeted by the storms of estrogen. <laughs> yeah, and they're just you'll see them in the yeah. chair in their living room, just like absolutely melted in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't often feel sorry for men, but <laughs> the idea that you could like have five different women in your house going through puberty oh and also God. a woman in menopause who's also. <gasps> mental to begin with yes I'm thinking of a specific man I'm not going to name and I do feel extremely Does he sorry listen for to the him podcast? I would be so surprised <laughs> he's more of a like Malcolm Gladwell type I see I'm not sure how big the Venn diagram crossover is there. Malcolm Gladwell 
Cromwell would play a good Mr. Bennett, I think. It's a, it's a, it's a version of Mr. Oh, Bennett I would be ooh, interested in seeing. Ooh, see? You can just do it again and again and again. Again and again. Never stops giving. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a bit... Yeah, I think you're right in that Mrs. Bennett makes a bit more sense. Or she's a bit more empathetic in this one. Um, like There's a bit where she meets Lizzie on the stairs and she sort of says to Lizzie, like when you have five daughters, then, yes. like, then talk to me then kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And the bit after Lydia goes off with Wickham, where she's looking out the window and she's like, you know, it's so sad to be parted with your children. And she seems yeah. genuinely really sad, not just yeah. kind of... There are other parts where you feel like she's going through the motions of it and being emotional because it's sort of funny. Or... Yeah. But yeah, she feels like a real genuine character in this one. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the kind of the, the dual thing of like, oh, wow... They, that's that's the kind of the magic with Primarch as well is that like you have to be aware of this low lying threat that they are kind of fucked yeah. like unless they can just sort of trick rich men into marrying <laughs> them which only half of them are ever interested in doing half of the time yes um, they are sort of screwed yeah and uh, and the thing of like yeah she desperately wants them to not be homeless yeah. and starving yeah no the stakes are real Stakes, yeah, and yet never offensive, never too real. Never too real <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, like sense and sensibility, mm. it, the stakes are made very real in the opening scenes, where it's like, oh, they've been booted out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So shortly after we meet the Bennett parents, we meet the Bennett girls, and it's Rosamund Pike playing Jane, mm-hmm. which is perfect casting. Yes. Never did like the other Jane, to be honest. No, she. Mm. Yes, she had a sort of sorry for herself look that I didn't like. Right. It was very wet. Yeah. I didn't root for her in the same way I automatically root for Rosamund Pike anytime I see her. Yes. Agreed. Um, And you really do, and I feel like you really do believe that she is just like a really nice hot girl. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't feel wet at all. And she does feel sincerely heartbroken later in the film. Yeah. And trying to kind of hide it for everybody else's benefit. She's just a brilliant actress, I think. Like She's so brilliant. And like, yeah, and I think... Jane is probably the th- obviously Kitty and Lydia are somewhat interchangeable in terms of their characterization, yeah. but she is quite a thinly drawn character on the page. She's yeah. just like, well, the thing about me is I'm very nice. You're so nice, Lizzie. <laughs> yeah. Just so nice. Oh, couldn't couldn't possibly be. Maybe they're both mistaken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you need I think you need an actress with like a lot of presence. Yeah. To make up for that kind of slight deficiency in the character. Like she's got to feel like there are depths she's not showing, not that there are no depths. Yes, know? yes. And like that's why I really root for her and Mr. Bingley because they're like, oh, they're just two nice hearties. I know. They so exist. Sweet. You know they used to date. I know. Before the movie. I mean, we can talk about that maybe later, the whole Rosamund Pike of it all. Do you know this about Joe Wright? No. <gasps> Let's oh go gosh, into it now, though. Is... Well, we're on Jane. Let's just go over it. Rosamund Pike... So first of all, Simon Wood, who plays Bingley, was her ex-boyfriend, but that was fine and amiable. Yeah. Um, Joe Wright, who directed the movie, started dating. They started dating during the filming of oh. Pride and Prejudice. They then got engaged. They did save the dates, all of that, and he called it off. What? Yeah. The director of Pride and Prejudice jilted Jane, and she gave an interview to the Guardian, like shortly afterwards, where she was like, "I don't know why." what I know <laughs> what this was me when I found this out a few years ago I was like head blown is she off. is she with anyone now imagine jilting Rosamund Pike <laughs> what 
he find out? I have no What is she hiding? What is she hiding? What is he hiding? It's fascinating. But there's like I should Men don't call off engagements. It's <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think they do. Whenever I hear a called off engagement, it's it always a woman, a woman. isn't it? Ooh, I guess because men are point. generally the ones doing the proposing. I have always assumed it was his fault because he's a man with apologies. But maybe yeah. you're right. That is weird that he called it off. I don't know why my mind immediately went to Rosamund Pike as a terrible secret. Well, gone <laughs> like girl. Like she's one That's of the thousand <laughs> children or gone girl. <laughs> yeah. But yes, yeah, so there's there's layers within, within layers. Oh my God. To the, Wow. This whole thing. Um, so then we have uh, Keira Knightley playing Lizzie, who was obviously was always going to be like the most important or the central role, yeah. the most beloved heroine of literature. And uh, there's a real sharpness and difference to how Keira Knightley plays it versus how Jennifer Ely plays it or Eel. Never, never quite sure. Um, there's like a sweetness to Jennifer mm. Ely's one. Where it's very like... She's always got this sort of smile in the corner of her mouth and a delicacy and like, well, you know. Yes. If only my countenance would allow you. Annoying a little bit. Do you think? <sighs> Maybe I'm, I'm just, the thing is, I'm just playing favourite. I am recording another episode on the BBC One tomorrow with the beautiful Carrie Lloyd. And tomorrow, that'll be my favourite one. Great. But today, this is my favourite one. Well, I'll come in and we can fight outside the yeah, studio. Okay. <laughs> um... And uh, but there's 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 a kind of a bitingness mm. and a sarcasm. I heard one podcast describe it as um, there's something about how Kieran Atley plays it and how she's shot. That's very Jim from The Office. It's very like something happens Ooh. and it just sort of zones in on Kira making yes. eyes at the camera, not quite breaking the fourth wall, but being like, "Can you believe this yeah, bitch?" Kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's very like knowing. Yes. Yes. In in which is in some ways feels like so. It really makes the the production kind of totally come to life because she feels mm. like a modern girl, and other times it feels kind of anachronistic. That you know, like, would she really yeah. talk to Catherine de Bourgh that way? I don't think so. No, you know? I quite like though in general the way that the production is pretty loose with anachronisms. I mean, it's not yeah. like a pair of trainers, but the things like that in terms of the way people talk and yeah. hairstyles, even stuff. I think it's kind of nice. You know, I'm not yeah. bothered, but then I'm not a Mr. Darcy American Cat girl, so maybe. <laughs> Like, if you were, you can see why some of that stuff would really annoy you. That yeah. It, that it isn't true to how Austen would have imagined these, you know, sacred characters. That stuff simply never annoys me. No, I just don't care. No, <laughs> I just don't care. You know when you see, like, Twitter threads from some dude where he's like, actually, the watch that Napoleon is wearing in this scene wasn't invented until... Fi-. It's like, I don't care! I just don't. I'm so sorry. I just... Yeah, it's a really... What, so it's, it, but it's the same with when any kind of book I love is adapted. Mm. I really rarely care as to like whether or not they included this plot point or this yeah. character or like I can basically always understand why you would cut something right. for time exactly. or whatever it's like it's, it's so much more about staying true to the spirit of a thing than it yes. is the letter of a thing yeah true and I think another thing that people annoyed people about this adaptation was there's a kind of a muddiness to it as well mm-hmm. like there's literal mud everywhere yeah yeah well they moved the time frame forward by like 40 or 50 years or, or back. back, yeah. Ugh, so it was like, that. yeah. Which yeah. Way? I think it's normally um, adapted for like high regency, which, yeah, which is, is like what eighteen thirty, eighteen thirties. Yeah, this is seventeen ninety. Yes, which they apparently did partly in order to have that slightly like muddy, down at heel look for the Bennets. Yeah, like that would have been a bit more normal. But I love that. I love that. It's so yeah. The the kind of 
it's not gritty, it's Jane Austen, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it feels quite real and you could you can smell the pigs when you watch the film, which I think is I think is a good thing. And I also I think it was so smart in that like one of the reasons they said it a bit earlier was that they wanted to get away from those nightgowns. Oh those my god. Fucking yeah, Empire the line dresses. dresses. They are vile. They're vile. And I've read something interesting about it, and I'm not sure if it's true, but it's that um because of the Napoleonic Wars, which were happening during the Regency period, mm. and because all corsetry came from France, oh. and like in general was thought of being a very French thing, that the Empire line dresses came in as a show of patriotism that people weren't no way yeah wearing French underwear. That's really interesting. Yeah, but thank God, I think they look so much nicer and without like, their boobs up around their eyeballs. It's just so, and then just like the nothing is ghost outfit. Yeah, just from bleh. yeah, bleh. <laughs> Awful and like horrible in the the whites and creams and pinks. Oh God! And like texturally, kind of a nightmare as well. The kind of like weird sheen on everything. Yes, totally. And like, and also, it sort of like it visually distinguishes itself from the other one, which is smart. Um, and and just they look beautiful in those dresses. They're they're flattering. I like them. That brown dress that Keira Knightley's wearing in the first ball is just like perfect. Perfect. Yes. Oh, can't wait to get to the ball. Let's move down the sisters. Then we've got. Carrie Mulligan. No, wait, sorry. First, we've got then we've got Mary. Oh, Ma- is Mar- Mary in the middle? I never Mary's in the middle. Mary's. Yeah, Mary's after Lizzie and before the two God girls. God bless yeah. Mary. She's such a po face. <laughs> I, I have so many thoughts and theories. I think Mary might be my favorite. I love her scenes in yeah. this. I mean, Tallulah Riley is also like she's so dour looking in this and so like yeah. sulky. But she's so beautiful. But though. she's so beautiful. That she feels, I don't know, I feel like I know people like that who are just yeah. kind of like wallflowery, yeah. kind a little bit boring and a little bit lost in their own world, but kind of lovable yeah. for it. I feel like there's something of Austin in the creation of Mary in like a disdain Ooh. for her own fan base at that point of like meeting these really like pernickety, annoying women and being like, I love you. <laughs> I don't know if even the culture of the time would have allowed for that. Yes. But is that... Do you think? I think. You yeah. Think? I think there's something to that. Because Mary does seem like a parody of a literature fangirl. Yes. Yes. I hadn't actually thought of it that way. That is a good point. Because like her, her love of a thing has made her... Has given like her love of like books and reading and learning has given like her a safe place outside of a world that she can't really figure out. She doesn't like dancing, she doesn't like balls, yes. she doesn't really like people that much. Her sisters are way too loud and big, and she's very small. But like reading has given her a world of like comfort and safety, and therefore, when she is forced to be in the real world she kind of brings that imagined world with her yes and it's delivered in such a smug horrible annoying boring yeah. way awful awful the bit where she's playing piano at the ball I and know. sort of warbling and everyone's laughing at her but she can't really tell and her dad tells her to get up yeah. and stop playing it's my just dear like, you have delighted us long enough oh yeah. god awful <laughs> i i also think like obviously for drama it's better that charlotte lucas marries mr collins but I was like, um, why didn't Mary why, marry him? They would have been... They would have been great! Yeah, they would have been a good match. Oh, yeah. Missed opportunity. Between, like, while we're on Mary, I was going to co-opt to Mr. Collins for a while. 
He is so Tom Holland is Tom Hollander. Oh, Tom Hollander. Yeah. There shouldn't be two. One there of them has be to two. do something. One about must that. die. <laughs> One must die. Tom Hollander is so fucking funny in this film. It, so he makes good. me howl. That thing you said at the beginning about the the most exquisite potatoes or whatever it is is so good. Every line is just delivered in the funniest way I can imagine. It's it's so good and like I and I think it's um him and Mary are and and Charlie Luke as well. They're like uh these three characters that really help the entire thing stay current mm. because there's a sense when you're either reading it or watching any version of it and you're like, oh, there are always people who are just a fucking pain in the ass. Yes. They're all- <laughs> <laughs> always. I mean, they're not reading you Four Dice's sermons anymore, but yeah. they're doing something equivalent. Yeah. Bores are eternal. There's something very comforting about that. <laughs> and like, and I think because like the, the Janes and the Lizzies and the Mr. Darcy's, they're so heightened and they're so romantic. Mm, mm. And they, they're, they're not really like, the thing with Lizzie Bennet is that she's a wish fulfillment character who always says the things that, the thing that you wish you said in yes, her argument. Yes, she's the sister everybody flatters themselves that they are, but some yeah. of us are Mary. Yes. <laughs> the thing is, if you think you're a Lizzie, you're probably you're a Mary. You're probably a Mary. Oh God, that's sad. True, true. Um, and uh, then we've got the two at the end. Yes. Carrie Mulligan's first role. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. And Jenna Malone. Who's and Jenna Malone is American. Yeah. Who I know mostly from being um, in The Hunger Games. Oh, my God, of course. That's, yeah. that's it. Thank that's you. It. I was watching it the other day and being like, you look familiar from something else now. Yeah. Such strange casting. Really strange. I mean, she does a great job. Yeah, she does. But what? Yeah. But you must have thought that there must have been so many just English actresses around who could do that job. I mean, I did not clock her accent not at once. all. No. So she must have been doing a good job. Yeah. They're a bit interchangeable personality-wise in this one. I can't actually remember what they're like in the 1995. Kind of the same. Version. They just kind of collapse in in and out of rooms, giggling together. Which is fun. I That's, don't mind that. It is fun. Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, this is such a niche reference, you know the two little bugs from A Bug's Life that do like, <laughs> stand on top of each other? That's the vibe that they have. It's so that vibe! <laughs> but and I think they're important as well, even though they have virtually no lines. Like, Lydia yeah. has a few more once she gets married and she comes back and she's just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, my sisters can write to me. <laughs> married like... women never have time to write. <laughs> um, but I think there's something really important because the... Um, the it's so dialogue heavy yeah. and it's so like people having these um pretty exacting little chats where mm, they skewer mm. each other neatly <laughs> and if it was wall to wall that it would become so knackering yeah. on the ear and on like just your concentration and so it almost like like in the way that you need to have physical comedy and rom-coms to sort of break up yes. the dialogue or music numbers or whatever mm-hmm. just having like Lydia and uh, Kitty just collapse into a room laughing yeah. being insane really helps break yeah. up those scenes. I think, yeah, they're absolutely crucial. It would be so dull without them, even if all yeah. they're doing, as you say, is screaming about officers and, like, throwing ribbons around. Yeah. But, like, you know, sometimes we're screaming about officers and throwing ribbons around. It yeah. It's not all like, I love you madly. You know, it's <laughs> there has to be room for... That's what I mean. That's why it feels alive, is because there's yeah. a lot of just, like, normal shit in there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Like women just being. In terms of like a structured piece, it is, it's so perfect. And like in mm. every, every character, there's a kind of a weight and a counterweight, you know? Mm. Like you have Lizzie at the centre you have Jane who's kind of like the more idealised version of Lizzie who's kind of everything that she wishes that she was but can't be and we love her because she can't be that. Mm. But you also have Charlotte Lucas who's like representing sort of a kind of a dark side of what could happen yeah. to Lizzie if she gave up on the dream of romantic love and actually liking the person you're married to. <laughs> yes. And um, and then all those sisters are sort of just weigh each other out so well. Mm. So we've talked about basically everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and now on to Mr. Darcy. Who I named my cat after. So. Of course, of course, <laughs> as we all do. Um, I am in love with Matthew McFadden. Really? Yes. Um, he's my dream man. It's him and Niles from Frasier, for some reason, are like, I don't know. So I was always going to like this film because mm. I fancy him. Let's just Did have that out. you fancy him prior to... No. Okay. I, I fancied him first in this movie yeah. and the fancying has never abated okay and i hope i will never be free i <laughs> he has bewitched me body and soul <laughs> anyway i love his darcy i like mm. it a lot more than the colin firth one he's too snippy he's too arrogant he's too he likes himself a bit not likes himself what do i mean he thinks he's smart mm. this one i just think this darcy is he has no idea how to be Mm. he's socially awkward and shy and quiet yes which comes across as arrogance which is so true to how loads of people are i'm sure you've met people like this where you're like oh what a prick and then it turns out that they're just oh my god every time i meet a really hot woman who's also shy it's so confusing what a bitch yes (laughs) but even though i know this yeah like is a very widely shared character trait of people every time i'm the same i'm like you Fuck you. Like, <laughs> you don't know what to say? Fuck you. I don't want to talk to you anymore. So I love that they, that it's... I can't think of... I'm sure there are, but I can't think of many other characters who are like that. Yeah. Off the top of my head. I do agree with you in that I, like... I do think that the Matthew McFadden character or portrayal is just less fanciable. It it does sort of leave me cold. I'm sorry to argue <laughs> well, with you. Well, maybe that's a personal preference. I like a shy, quiet man. So maybe oh, that's... Oh, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. Um, no, I just... I think he's so... I think it's just such a brilliant portrayal of this character and makes it different from the Colin Firth. Because yeah. the shadow cast by the Colin Firth, Mr. Darcy, is so long. Because, exactly, because Colin Firth has been franchising out Mr. Yeah. Darcy his entire career. Exactly, exactly, like... I'm sure they had a nightmare casting it. You know, who are you yeah. going to get to do Darcy that's not Colin Firth? Especially if, like, I can't remember what what, what years the Two Bridge Jones movies yes. came out. Uh, there was certainly one in 2007, maybe the second one? Yeah, possibly. So, yeah, it was around that So he's time. still, in a sense, playing Mr. Darcy. Yes, <laughs> you yes, know? exactly. He's still around and very much fresh in our heads as the eternal Darcy, which yeah. is, must be a strange thing for him to live with. It must be pretty weird. Yeah. Because it's almost like being, you know, one of the cast of Friends or something, where you yeah. are stuck in the minds of everybody as that. as that forever. But 
in in terms of his career, is actually quite a small percentage of what he spent his time doing. A tiny one, and also the man must be what sixty now. Yeah, but I do. I mean, he did the, that that very worthy, annoying Oscar movie, King's Speech. He did that. I like, like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I've only actually half seen it once. Maybe it's good, and I just am being unfair. But the, so the thing is, is that he can't speak, but he also. He must make a speech. Ah, ah, so it's a double ah, yes. meaning, Imogen. Ooh, the king's mm, speech the ca- ah, and the king's speech. And the king's speech. <laughs> so now you understand. Wow. <laughs> yes, okay, sorry. I just hadn't I hadn't got it, I think, until until now. I can't wait to watch it now that I understand the premise. So, I'm so glad <laughs> to have cleared that up for you. <laughs> um uh, yeah, and so it must have been this impossible thing. And I, th- but even though on a bloodlust level, I remain <laughs> neutral for Matthew McFadden in all his guises. Um, I do totally see how like that depiction of somebody who is legitimately awkward mm. and like sort of has this kind of like panicked expression, and he's also his like hugeness feels very yes. awkward. Yes, and I, but I love. I think it's so lovable. Like yeah. a large. Shy man. That's a tough thing to be. Yeah. <laughs> this world. <laughs> it is. It actually is. Like I'm with the large, not shy man, and I it just the amount of time. The, if you're a man over six foot and over a certain kind of width, and um, people are just like, "Oh, hey, big guy, wouldn't want to get inside of you. Runs out of you as a fight. What? Like, right. I have constantly talking I, about your size. It's, it's horrible. Really, it's really horrible. I have a friend who's very tall, about six foot six, and very shy and when we used to go out as teenagers people would try and start fights with him all the time yeah and he'd get so upset and have to go home because it was really upsetting yeah he just happened not to be as macho as he looked it's i i just can't fathom what that life is like neither neither it's fascinating but i think that he is doing it in this adaptation he's embodying that thing where you're like you look a certain way and people assume you must be a certain way yeah you're just not yeah, yeah. But then, okay, it's interesting because like the the choices in his performance, which is to play somebody who's sort of too big for the room and just sort of too big to hang out. Like he really is <laughs> too big to hang out. He is too big to hang out. The monster on the hill, um, and uh, genuinely awkward. And doesn't want to dance with anyone because he's awkward. Mm. But then um, the yin of that versus the yang of like having him say lines like oh like you know calling. Lizzie Bennett barely tolerable and not beautiful enough to tempt me and so I sort of wonder about that line because I feel like it can be read as a slight just brush off to his friend Mm. like leave me alone you know I don't want to talk about it because when he comes into the room and sees her for the first time he does that classic like awkward man with a crush thing where he like looks and then immediately looks away yeah like do not perceive me thing (laughs) and there's so many bits like that in the movie like when when she comes to uh the house where jane gets sick what is the name of that house too many houses Longbourn. no they live in longbourn and uh bingley has left (gasps) netherfield yes God's sake. I'm so so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. When she arrives there and comes into the room where he and um, this bitch sister, what's her name? Caroline Caroline Bingley. Caroline Bingley are having breakfast and he stands up really suddenly and awkwardly and his chair sort of moves underneath him. All things like that, which are like like a little boy who likes someone and doesn't know what to do about it. I just find it so charming. 
It is nice. And I just think that in terms of like filmmaking, the dance scene is mm-hmm. like absolutely peerless. The it's first so one. so good. Oh, no, maybe this is the second one. Maybe this is the ball at Netherfield. Yes. Where they dance. It's, I think it's because Mr. Collins is there as well. Co- that is so, it's comedy genius. That thing of him like trying to talk to her and then yeah. and then she moves away and he yeah. keeps speaking and then she comes back. It's yeah. so much is so amazing about that scene. Like if that, if that scene was just Mr. Collins struggling to talk to Lizzie or just um, Darcy and mm. Lizzie mm. connecting um, it would be great but the fact that it's both of those things oh, and the bit where all of the other dancers disappear <gasps> yeah. and it's just the two of them I and yeah. it's so quick and it's, it's almost like if you were looking at your phone for a second yeah, you would you'd miss, miss it. it but it's so in- like it's great and actually that whole party thing when it does that amazing camera track thing where it's yeah. following you know Mr Collins is looking for Lizzie and then yeah. it's the two sisters getting drunk and then it's Mrs Bennett bragging about Jane in the corner yeah yeah it's so again so little women reminds me so much of that scene where they go to a dance yeah in the early part of that movie yes it's a ball that looks fun like you would actually want to go it's, whereas like so many period things you're like Meh. you do want like you're so right actually does remind me of the Greta Gerwig um, party scene yeah. where you have Timothy Chalamet and yes. uh, Saoirse Ronan dancing between yeah. the windows that one uh, which always makes me cry <laughs> you just cry quite a lot I just cry a lot (laughs) I know what you mean there's something very touching about that yeah and just like I don't know why there aren't more dance movies in general or more movies that like feature a little dance feature a little dance we love to watch it as people we do that's true and like just the watching their heads sort of like bob slowly and it's so sexy and the music is so beautiful and the way how stiff they are but how teasing and that thing of like yeah. oh and perhaps you could comment on the number of partners or the yes. size of the room or maybe it's that thing of like it being sexier to wear clothes than be naked yeah. it's like it's yeah. all, all the potential is there but they can't let any of it out except in these very like tiny teasy ways yes yeah it's so neggy and so mm. hot yeah Ugh. and I, I, I love the whole thing with Lizzie and Jen, and it's so, it's so women. Women. Um, women. <laughs> women. So women of like, women who have like spent, and this is all, and this is again, another reason why Pride and Prejudice will never go out of style, um, which is like women who have spent their entire lives being uh, chastised and reminded that they have to always sort of be pleasing and polite in a room mm. and make conversation with everyone, including the people you're not really that interested in and, you know, being nice and asking how you are and all that kind of stuff. And then the kind of f- how furious she is oh, that yes. Darcy thinks that he can just be above social conventions and being sound to people, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really satisfying. It's very women. You're so right. It's a wish fulfillment thing. The whole yeah. the whole character of Lizzie is just like, if you were a little bit of a badder bitch, yeah. this is what you'd have said in all those situations you've been in. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so good. And um, then we go straight from the second ball to like bam 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 event 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 there are so many fucking events there's so many events I'm amazed they managed to even do it like because there's even more events in the book of like so and so coming and turning up and giving a letter and then they all they they learn this and then they go here and then they yeah but it doesn't feel I mean it feels more bam 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 as you say towards the end of the movie than the early parts yeah it's amazing that something with this because like they 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 fit in all the stations of the cross the yeah, sort of like yeah. both balls lydia going away wickham arriving yeah darcy going coming and going all this stuff um 
without it feeling that rushed. Yeah. And a little bit towards the end, maybe, but that just feels yeah. like momentum more than yes, it being rushed. Yes, no, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, it does It does pick up the pace, but not in a way that makes you feel like they're kind of racing to the end. Yeah. It's just, it just, it's slot in so perfectly. And then, okay, so we have um, the second ball, at which point Caroline Bingley, who we haven't spoken enough about, yes. is like don't like how this is going I'm going to just convince my brother like the power that woman has I know convince my brother to go to London for the winter Jane's heartbroken and then they all just like I find this really mean because like the old separate girls three separate girls are invited on three separate trips yes <laughs> leaving Kitty and Mary just <laughs> at home just at home so Jane goes to London yeah um, to sort of be tangential to the Pingleys yes in case they need her yeah uh Lizzie goes to the Peak District with her aunt and uncle for reasons. And uh, Lydia goes to Brighton with her aunt and other aunt and uncle. other aunt, yes. Too many aunts, too many uncles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jane, nothing happens over there. Lizzie goes to Pemberley. Yes. (laughs) It's like the most thing of like... Oh, I get it. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> like, oh. oh. Oh, so you're rich, rich. Oh, you're rich, rich. And by this point, she's already turned down Darcy's proposal. Yes, exactly. Which, in this film, I think, this is something that people get mad about, right? It's like, it's supposed to happen in a parsonage. It's like, yeah, but look at it. Look yeah. at the scene they've given you instead. How oh. are you mad? It's gorgeous. It's the, raining. Raining in the gazebo. Oh, and they nearly kiss after she says no. Oh, my gosh. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's it so good. Chills. Yeah. So yes, she's turned him down and then gone off on this little holiday. Yes. And her aunt and uncle have been like, well, we, maybe we should visit Pemberley. And weirdly, she's <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. I guess she thinks he's not going to be there, but even so. Yeah. Again, that feels very today of like just being somewhere with an elderly aunt and uncle being like, we're going to go to a National Trust property and look yes, at the stuff. Yes, exactly. Like, okay. <laughs> but also very today in like, I don't know, this is maybe a slightly like idiot point, but she couldn't just like go on the computer and find out more about him. She had to go to his house. And she got the opportunity to go to his house. And see his sculpture. Yes. Someone made that sculpture. True. <laughs> McFadden. Yes. Oh my God, I wonder where it is now. I wonder where it is now. It's like Carrie's tutu. Oh. Uh, so she has to contend with that she turned down the richest man in the world. Yes. Who then appears to be a total sweetheart with his little with his sister. sister, yeah, Georgina. What do you make of all that? <sighs> I I like it. <laughs> I like is, it. The thing is, I just the like thing it. is, I think it's really good, Caroline, <laughs> and I think they did a great job. Um, obviously, the sister's slightly throwaway, but I think he's so je- so sweet in that scene with the yeah. sister that you do kind of buy. The whole thing about Georgina having been jilted by Wickham and why that was so upsetting, apart from just, oh, he disrespected my sister. It's not just a... I think before that you could be like, oh, my bloodline was disrespected. But it's like, oh, no, he really loves this little girl who was really badly hurt by this man. Yeah. I just think that's so nice. It's so nice. There's, um, have you ever read... Uh, what, what's your um, take on the various... like? I, I, I really like when the classic story is sort of used to illuminate different areas of life. Like there's like there's a contemporary novel 
of this called Eligible, written by Curtis Sittenfeld. Mm. And what I love about Curtis Sittenfeld is that she can write a really serious, big doorstepper novel that's like, this is the private life of Laura Bush. <laughs> it's going to win like every prize under the sun. And then she'll just be like, oh, I'm going to write a rom-com that's a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. You're so right. She has a dream career. She has a dream she career. She does whatever she wants. She re- and everyone just loves it. Yeah, it's like, great, more. More, <laughs> whatever you fancy. Anything. Curtis, anything. Um... And uh, anyway, she so she did a version of this where, uh, and some of it is so fabulous and really, really works. And like, for example, um, Mr. Darcy is a heart surgeon who doesn't want to have kids. And that's why he's unmarried because Ooh. he's like really dedicated to like, he never wants to have kids. And Lizzie also never wants to have kids. Oh, dedicated and, to uh, the heart, the but heart. not his own. <laughs> <laughs> it's very that. And also in that, um, Georgiana Darcy is... Um, that's it, Georgiana. That's yeah. it. And she's this like teenager who has very recently been hospitalized with anorexia oh and it's really heartwarming watching those characters look after each other and it's oh. also this thing of like this thing with georgia darcy which is always like this kind of like damaged frailness about yes, her that's perfect actually yeah yeah that really makes sense yeah it's actually really good oh my god i'm gonna read it yeah, yeah. do um that one happens. <laughs> that one happens um so they yeah they all go off in this well then disaster strikes then she gets news of Wickham and Lydia. Yeah. What's your take on Wickham? Um, a real rotter. Well, I'm just, I have a notebook here that says Wickham's fuckboy ponytail. Oh. So that's <laughs> one of the first thoughts I have about him. Um, he's a bad man. He's, he's a, simply he's a very, bad. very, very bad man. But you can see how he takes people in, I think, by the sort of woe is me. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, I'm so put upon and... And yeah. the fuck and the fuckboy ponytail. Fuckboy ponytail. Who's that? What's his name? Rupert Friend. Yes. Actor? Who then went out with Kira for years. No. Yeah. See, it goes so deep. Yeah. Everything that you read about this movie is that like everybody was kind of early enough in their careers. Yeah. Like, it was Kira Knightley obviously wasn't early in her career, but she was still very young. She was yeah. like twenty-two or something. Mm. Joe Wright's first movie. Yeah. Um. Carrie Mulligan's first movie and like just the, being this magical summer where the sun shone every day and everyone fell in love. Yes. Yeah, it was like twelve weeks or something that they shot this over. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So we got that brilliant scene where uh, Kieran Knightley comes out of the room and just goes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, your classic Darcy goes off and pays everyone off. Yes. What if what if a man loved you enough to bribe people in your name? Ugh, the dream. Yummy. One day. Lovely. And uh, then, I mean, we haven't talked about Judy Dench's and oh. Ca- Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Oh. You know he wrote her a letter, Joe Wright. Also, this is his first movie. Can you imagine making I know. your first movie and it's one of the best ones that have been made? The best movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, it's a bit strong, maybe. It's, but but like, it's up there. I with... don't think people love... I mean, he's like a great... He's a really yeah. good atonement and Anna Karenina, whatever. But like, I don't think people love his other movies no. the way they love this movie. No, this is, yeah, it does something special to people. Yeah. But Judy Dench, he wrote her a letter where he was like, I love when you play a bitch, please come and be a bitch for me. Yeah. And she she like made a week in her life and was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So they so had to good. film everything with her first. Those are all the really? first scenes. Yeah, because she had so little time. Mm. And she's actually not in it for very long. There's those two no. scenes. Two scenes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love when she plays a bitch. And but boy, does she play a bitch. It's such a copy of her Shakespeare in Love, Elizabeth I performance. It is, yeah. it is. But I'm not mad about it. 
I love no, God, no. Let Julianne do that forever. <laughs> so great. That bit where she's like, um, no, there is no one I think who is as fond of music as me. Were I ever to play, I would have been a great proficient. <laughs> And the interplay between her and Mr. Collins is just, he's such a like snivelling little courtier. It's so good. I love how like the way Mr. Collins doesn't really understand words. No. Oh. Like the way he uses the word condescend all the time. (laughs) The way Lady Catherine de Bourgh condescends to me. (laughs) So good. Oh. And it's good that he's small as well. The smallness of Mr. Collins is so key. You know that bit yeah. where he tries he's... to talk to Mr. Darcy at the ball? Yeah. And he has to like tap him up on the shoulder like a little boy. I think this this film, much more than the other versions, has a great empathy for Mr. Collins. Yes, he's a loser, but you're like, it's yeah. not your fault, really. And also, is there that much of a spiritual difference between Mr. Collins and Mr. Darcy? <gasps> You know, Ooh, is one of them just hot? One of them's hot and rich, and one of them is not hot and poor. And it does feel like kind of a commentary on like how Ooh. women fancy people. Yes. Oh, that's a really good. Because also, you know, Darcy does a crap proposal of his own. Yes, exactly. It's like if you put those scenes alongside one another, yeah. they're not that different. That's fascinating. And but it's, it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. It's that thing of like he's a one, but there's something about him, right? Like the sort yeah. of fanciable thing with men can often be he he's garbage yeah but there's something about him and it's hot to me and it's generally that he is tall and it's generally that he's tall <laughs> or large yeah and <laughs> that just doesn't go for women and if you're like shy and awkward and short and poor that's, and poor then that's not gonna fly yeah I mean, and obviously mr collins is horrible like he yes. has many degrees worse yeah. than Mr. Darcy. But they're on the same spectrum. scale. Yes, yeah. Spectrum. Maybe literally. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. Yes. Um, and I, I feel like the film or even the characters don't know that. The film does. Yeah. It, it shows these kind of this very melancholy moment of um, Mr. Collins sort of alone at the ball like picking out a flower. Oh, doing yes. kind of she loves me, she loves me yeah. not. I just think it's I, it's the whole film is so good because it doesn't just laugh at any particular character. Yeah. Maybe with the exception of Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Yeah. But you sort of, you understand why all the characters are like this and Mr. Collins isn't just a figure of yeah. fun. And I also understand why I would hang out with Caroline Bingley at a party. She seems funny as yes, hell. Yes, <laughs> she does. She does. Like, she's the what wo- You would want to, yeah, be with her at the party. Yeah. But then at no other time. I th- no. <laughs> That bit where like Mary's like, I think I think to make acquaintance uh, there should be no dancing at a at a ball. It's like yes, that would be better, but rather less like a ball. Yeah, just <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's a good mean girl. Another station of the cross of every version of Pride and Prejudice is um, Caroline Bingley and Lizzie Bennet. The walk, turn about the, the room. The turn about the room. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so stupid when you actually look at it. You're yeah. like, what are you doing? Why are you so doing it? So they can it? greatly admire his skills. <laughs> And that is actually maybe a moment where the characterization that Matthew McFadden is giving Darcy doesn't quite fit with the dialogue he's been given because he's mm. being quite smart ass there yeah. in that scene. And I don't like him when he's like that. No. <laughs> I like him stuttering and strange. Gentle and shy. <laughs> so nice. Um, yeah. Do you have any sympathy for Karen Bigley? I do. Not off the top of my head. She's a, a bitch reason. for sure. But, like, she really wants to marry Mr. Darcy. <laughs> and Lizzie Bennet yeah. really got in the way of that. <laughs> I think maybe 
that's actually an element I, I like forget about or don't quite clock weirdly yeah. and maybe that's my own inattention yeah um, imagine from her, okay she's a horrible person yeah granted um, but imagine you're like okay I'm gonna I'm for some reason still unmarried I'm gonna keep my brother's house yes. in this part of the country I don't want to go to mm. like everything about it is gross to me I'm I'm leaving London, leaving all my friends, leaving like fashion and stuff, which I love and wear very well. Um, and the only good thing about it is that his friend from school is going to be there the whole time. And we always get on and we always have bitchy fun chats. Mm. And we're going to have this whole summer where we have bitchy fun chats and fall in love. And then I'll be the richest woman in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's suddenly like, I'm going to hang out with these tacky sisters and actually suddenly decide that us being bitchy and fun isn't funny anymore. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's that is tough. tough. That is tough. See, maybe you're just a nicer person than me. I'm just quite like, oh, shut up, get out of the way. Put your boobs away, Put your boobs Caroline. away, Caroline. <laughs> I think I just over-relate to anyone called Caroline because they're so frequently given a short shrift by culture. God, who are the other Carolines? Calloway. Who I'm a great um, admirer of as yeah, has been well, committed to this I'm, podcast. I'm an apologist for Caroline Calloway yeah. as well. <laughs> I would love Caroline Calloway to play a version of Caroline Bingley in the, oh in the show. God, it would be would so be good. Perfect. She would be perfect. Anyway, uh, we're running out of time. Yes. Is there any uh, thing else you want to say about this? We haven't even talked about the hand. Oh, the hand! The hand is one of my favourite moments in any rom com. Full stop. It is Why does it drive women so mad? Several reasons, uh-huh. I think. Reason number one, basic. Men's hands, very hot. Mm, when large. you like a man, you love their hands. <laughs> like I saw a tweet recently where someone was like, if a girl tells you she likes your hands, she is doing everything in her power not to fuck you over the top <laughs> of the table that, that moment that she says it. So it's that. But it's like, oh, I don't know. It's, the, it's, the, it's like he, he almost can't bear it. Yeah, how nice so, so it was for to people touch who can't her hand. quite remember. Oh yes, which, sorry, uh, as which if will be no one. But re- but re- recite exactly what happens in the scene. Okay, so Darcy is um, putting Jane and Lizzie in the coach to go back home mm-hmm. after Jane got stuck with a cold mm-hmm. at Netherfield, and he takes Lizzie's hand to put her in the carriage or like help her up, and then turns away walks back to the house and it's a close-up on his hand and he just sort of flexes mm-hmm. all of it, splays all of his fingers out. Like he's been, like had like an electric shock or something. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but what, it's but because it's so intimate. Yeah. It's so clever. Yeah. That choice. Because it's like, we're dealing with a period where people don't snog and mm. there's no skin. Yeah. And I think the way that obviously the BBC version dealt with the kind of lack of bodily physics mm. within these stories because it is just people you know floating little brains on necks <laughs> wearing shit dresses is, yes. is like blah 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 and we flirt through our words and so you have to return into the sense of the physical and the real mm. and the way the BBC version of that was the jump in the lake where like yes, he's yeah. so horny he must go in the lake yeah. and and that version of that is it's just the, the flexing of the hand of like oh this is not just a person who's a collection of manners and snobberies and yes. tastes they have like desires this is a body under these clothes. Yeah. Oh, it's it's. I'm I'm slightly speechless thinking about it. Yeah, it's so it's perfect. really good. I'm trying to think if there are any other important. Well, there's also um, 
there is a uh, an ending to this movie that yes. only shows in America. Yes, have you seen it? I have, but only on YouTube. Only on YouTube. In, uh, never in the versions I've watched. And the, it's only like two minutes yeah. that they cut off. Okay, so the it's almost like an Avengers post credit sequence. It almost is. So it's at the end of the British cut, mm-hmm. which is what most people will have seen if they saw it in this country, is Mr. Bennett laughing and going, ah, ha, 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 and sort of, yeah. you know, being approving of the fact that Lizzie and Darcy are going to get married. Yeah. And that's the end. Yeah, it's just him laughing. It's just him laughing, which yeah. I don't hate. I think no, that's fine. No, cute. Nice. Then there is a two-minute sequence that was originally in the movie where Darcy and Lizzie are at Pemberley. Uh-huh. It's nighttime. There are candles and fires blazing yeah. and they're not wearing any shoes and there's like kneeling in front of each other being yeah. soppy and they kiss yeah which is very controversial so controversial in fact that the Jane Austen Society of North America Mr. Darcy Darcy American Cat Girls Club <laughs> were like no like this is yeah. you can't do this um, we revolt. It's so interesting, isn't it? That's something yeah. that is so clearly the most, um, the highest form of like fan fiction and fan service, which is like, you guys have wanted it for 200 yeah, years. Yeah. Them snogging and saying they love each and other. And they didn't like no, it. No, they don't want it. Well, maybe they're serious. Maybe they're not Mr. Darcy American Catwoman. Maybe they are <laughs> serious academics. I've got no idea. But it surprised me. I was like, but surely it's fun for them to have a little snog at the end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because I don't think it's the the that the fact that he um, didn't happen in the books is what bothers people. Mm. I think if they had invented a, a similar, a, a, a different scene, yeah, that was more restrained. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been fine, would've and been people. Fine. But it just feels, I don't know, I, contrary to Austin's whole sensibility. I suppose. Yeah, I. I I mean, but I also don't hate. I also don't, I don't care. I don't care. As we yeah. both know, we've said we don't care. But yeah. if you were minded to care about these sorts of things, I can see why you would care about this particular mm-hmm. like deviation from how Austin normally is. It is also a very soppy scene. It is. It's a little much, maybe. It's. It is too much. It's. A, it's. It is Kiera Knightley at her most. Like my teeth are in the way of my words and being like, oh, and you're incandescently happy. And it. It's. It gave me the ick a little bit. A little bit, because I, I'm so used to the version of the movie without it, probably. Yeah. But yeah, go and go and look it, it up. It does feel a bit like. Have you ever seen the? I'm sure you have the um, alternate ending of Titanic, <gasps> where it's like she drops the oh. necklace, but all the like and a, the a fucking guy, SWAT the, like, team comes out of nowhere. That, that like the scientist guy goes, "Hey, lady, that really sucks." <laughs> Which is one of the worst lines I've ever heard. Hey, lady, that really sucks. It's so funny. It's so funny. I say that all hey, the time. Hey, lady, that really sucks. <laughs> hey, lady, that really sucks. <laughs> oh, it's priceless. Well, that's really funny because that that ending does is garbage, and they yeah. should they were definitely right to change that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's very funny. Yeah, if you've if you've not seen that ending, like my God, go and look that up because when that when that line comes, it's a real like burst out laugh for yeah. me. It's so I I, I completely forgot he said that. I haven't watched it in years. It really sucks. Yeah, you're, you're. I think it is way too saccharine that that ending. Um, but also, again, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, and that's the movie. And that's the movie. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I will. I'll watch it. I'll watch it again this year, probably, and it's mid-November. have to say, I did the research um, for my sort of Pride and Prejudice double bill that we're doing uh, while having COVID. Oh. I can't believe in the year 2023 people are getting COVID and one of them is me. Yeah. But it was quite bad. Um, but there's nothing better to watch when you can't go outside than in Austin yeah. Because it's like just people who are inside all the time. Yes, that's so true. You feel so way you know, when you know you're in day four or five of being sick and you could technically do stuff but you still really can't do stuff. Yeah. Um and you're like, Oh, I feel bad about myself for not doing stuff. This is what you put on. Yeah, it's perfect for like having a little bit of soup. <laughs> <A little> bit <laughs> of soup. <laughs> My countenance. <laughs> oh. Um Yeah. Such Thank a treat. You. Oh sorry. Thank you, Imogen. <laughs> You've got a novel out. I do have a novel out. Tell us all about it. It's called Deep Down. Uh, it's about a woman who is unmarried. They lo- It's not about <laughs> She is unmarried. Um, it is about a pair of siblings who are renegotiating their relationship after their father's death. Um, but it's also funny, funny. Which that doesn't make it sound. No, as everything you do is. I mean, <laughs> Thank like, you. That, like, I just fell in love with your work. I think at the same time everybody else did, which oh. is when you started doing Bougie Literary Lady. Yes, yes. Some of those tweets. <laughs> still, so Bougie Literary Lady was like basically Imogen... Bougie London Literary Woman, please. Sorry. The full mouthful, if you please. Bougie London <laughs> Literary Woman. She was kind of a take on American Cat Lady. She's not dissimilar, I was just thinking. Yeah, They're definitely she's a, friends. She's a bit more heightened. Where yeah. she's, like, she's obsessed with wild swimming and owning a harp. She and... thinks that Mr. Darcy American Cat Woman is a little bit naff. Yes. But would, would continue to be friends with her. Do you think you would be open to starting a new Twitter account? That might be... Mrs. Darcy, American Catwoman. <laughs> well, now you've blown it because people will know it's me. People will know it's you, yeah. Whereas for years, people literally didn't know who Bougie Literary Lady was. Sorry, yeah. London. Oh, God, what even is... I don't know. Whatever. That thing. No, it was... It I can't was believe you had a fun. secret identity. I know. So it was funny. so weird and strange. Because also, I didn't like... I didn't really have like a career or anything at that point. I was just yeah. like some random girl on Twitter. <laughs> just noticing women. Just looking at people. And then I remember you had to update the um, bio being like, by the way, I'm a woman, so this is misogynist. Yeah, I was like, oh God, like I really can't be dealing with that. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, wild times. That, that was a real, sorry. If, <laughs> if you were a woman and you were on Twitter while Imogen was doing that, it was in a really electric time. It was the golden era of Twitter. And I'm so sad that it's over. <laughs> You've got to stop before it gets old, though. I mean, it yeah. only went on for like four months. It was a very wow. short-lived... When the fun stops, stop. In and out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Imogen. Thank you for having me. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.